0: Good evening, coaches. A uh, very special podcast tonight. We're, we're, we're really, really privileged to be joined by by Colum Collins, uh, Mick Bowen, Evan Talty, and Philip Kerr, who will be joining us in St. Joseph's School in Newry on the 18th of November for our school's annual coach education clinic. So it's the first time we've done a podcast with, with the coaches before the day to give you a feel and a sample of, of what these four men are going to bring to the day. Four men that are that are top oper- operators um, in, our, in our own games. Um Evan, the founder of, of IGaelic Coach, you know Evan from 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 Twitter, also the coach was Roscommon in her twenties. Colin Collins needs no introduction, having spent 10 years with with Claire Senior Footballers, a remarkable job. Mick Bowen, who's just overseen another all Ireland title for, for Dublin ladies, and and Philip Kerr, who's a master tutor, coach, and, and author of our games. Lads, are very, very welcome. Uh, very welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thank, no
0: Thank you. Gents, I'm going to start off maybe, Colin, with yourself initially, so that there's a bit of a connection here, I think, between a lot of you. A lot, big Clare connection, I think, with yourself and Evan and Mick. Mick was telling me a few stories as well. I don't know, Philip, if you've ventured as far as Claire, but but uh, no. you, you, you maybe have. But um, I suppose early in my journey, Colin, a uh, big influence and a lot of you men would know, a close friend of yours, Philip and Mick as well. Big influence for me, coach education, in, in my early days was was the great John Morrison, Lord rest John. Um, he was certainly an inspiration for 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 me when it came to coaching. One of the very first coaches I went to. I suppose, Colin, when you think of the start of your own journey, you, you know, was coach education a, a thing, or was it something, you know, inspired you along the way, or, or was there other coaches that inspired you? Yeah, uh, it,
2: it was. It was um, not not really not really great at club level when I was when I was playing. I suppose the, the the first um the first experience I came across of a really good coach was um Ogie Morn uh who coached me in college and um he he was he was excellent and uh he he did a, he did a fantastic job but one thing he taught us was that uh if if an ordinary group of people get together and all are all working together you can achieve a lot and uh we had some great wins with a very ordinary team that time
0: yeah yeah and 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 from your own perspective column you know obviously coach education has changed so much um obviously you know playing and coaching and managing you know you're seeing different coaches you're seeing different styles like but you know how important do you see coach education now for for coaches particularly coaches maybe who are are maybe at the start of their journey how important do you see it
2: that's massive um i mean i think it's it's a vocation i think some people um some people really embrace it and they're constantly learning. I've been very lucky with with um, coaches we've had in Claire and I've been lucky enough to work with Mick. Um, you know, uh, so it's um, it it it's a uh, it's a constant constant uh, learning process, and of course the game is evolving all the time, so everything is changing. And uh, if you don't stay with the changes, uh, you're going to be left behind very quickly.
0: Yeah. And and Mick, obviously speaking to you on the phone, um, John Morrison, uh, great inspiration for you early in your in your own journey as well. Um, yeah. You know, how important was was coach education
3: for you. Um, <clears throat> so I I would have started off, um, and I don't coach education wasn't part of the vocabulary at all. Um, like I mean, I played all my underage football with Vincent's, and I would have watched the likes of Bobby Doyle, you know, running. Around the old oval pitch in Raheny, and it, it was like watching a cross country runner, and mm-hmm. that was my early experience of Gaelic games. That there was there was very little coaching, but there was a lot more information about conditioning than there was about coaching, and I think that went on for quite a lot li- a long time. And and I probably, if uh, to be truthful to you, I'd say the first time I even considered coaching was after meeting John. Um, Like, I think back to, I think now even, and like obviously John had a big influence in me a long time ago. I was lucky to meet him. And like the first coaching manuals that I had, Terence McWilliams, Philip Kerr and John Morrison had put together. That was the first time I even saw a coaching manual. I didn't know what a coaching manual was. You had to buy soccer manuals to get anything to do with coaching, there was nothing in Gaelic games, so those lads' work was the first I had seen. And I, I would, I'd say this to people now when I go around the country that you know people would ask, "What's the difference between twenty years ago and now?" And I would say to you, twenty years ago, I was training teams, and in recent years, you'd like to think you're doing a bit of coaching, uh, but the bottom line is. We were trained. Well, I was definitely a trainer twenty years ago. I wasn't a coach. I wasn't veteran footballers, and like what Colin was referring to there with the Ogie Murns and that. Like I was very lucky to meet, you know, that say caliber of person, the Brian Mullins or whatever else, and they told you great stories and they gave you a great motivation. But there wasn't. It didn't make you a better footballer. It made you. It made have given made you more driven. It made have given you a direction. But it wasn't better in your football, if that makes sense. And all the lessons, I think, were for were individual lessons that players might come back to you with. You know, how to win an aerial ball or how to win your ground under a break, which obviously is part of, of coaching, but it wasn't done in any kind of a formal way. Yeah. And, and Philip, you know, mix talked there about some of the books that, you know, you were
0: responsible for at the very start. I remember having one of them, actually, in... Uh, in St. Clemens, Kilkeel. I remember it sitting on the shelf. If I'm if I'm wrong, correct me here. I think it was Head, Hands and Feet. Is that was that the was that the title of one of the books?
4: That was it, yeah. Head, hands yeah. and feet. Yeah. Yeah. Um big influence, John, Terrence. I mean, when we were writing the books, we used to meet up at 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings at the Glenavon Hotel in Crookstown and work there to late morning to early afternoon out in the car park, literally, with ideas and trying different things out, you wouldn't know. And I mean, the number of times whenever a number of us were doing tutoring courses and we were heading to Limerick, um, I would have been in the car with Terrence. I rarely went in the car with John. He was a woeful driver.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and people could vouch for that. But uh, I'd have gone down with Terence, and all I did was spend my time asking Terence questions, and he was just literally the bible and any time that he spoke about stuff that i hadn't a clue about i would just go that's over the top of my head water that down water that down um coach ed a bit like the two men didn't really exist in my day when we was playing or early teaching career um brenton Convery, brian mccaver at school they were my coach ed and the first time i got anything to do with coach education in terms of a book was the former principal and Sean O'Cain, who was a big G A man in the school, he gave me a book written by Joe Lennon. Mm. Yep. And uh, I still have it somewhere here. So that was it. There was no coach ed as such that time mm. So we're really only scratching the surface of coach education at the minute. I mean that the yep. possibilities and opportunities out there are huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that actually, Philip. I'm gonna come back to that. But Evan, going with yourself finally. Obviously, you're probably a newer breed of coach here. When when I'm looking at some of your stuff online, I'm thinking, how does this man even put this together from even a technology point of view? But it's it's scary. But you you obviously have a huge passion for it yourself, Evan. I, I know you're
1: you're early on your yeah. journey as well. Yeah, I suppose um, for me, it was only more in recent years and particularly during lockdown, I probably went down to. The coaching rabbit hole, and it was, of course, it was just something different. Um, but looking at, I think it began with maybe YouTube videos and looking at the likes of Mick and different webinars and seminars that were cropping up over over COVID. Um, was when I really uh, I was always doing a bit, and but when I really started actually thinking about coaching and not just going out on the pitch, and at going back four or five years ago, I would have been. The typical buy-all, the books that are out there from Column Lally are some excellent books and, and other people, Dublin Games Development had some great stuff. I think that some of the lads Mick spoke about were involved and I suppose my sessions would have consisted of just picking what I thought was the nicest games out of them and putting three or four of them together and going out doing them without understanding, I suppose, why I was doing it. And um, from there, um, I would have gone, I enrolled in UL um, two, three years ago now under Philip Phil Kearney down there. And I did a master's in applied sports coaching. And from that, I suppose, I probably came full 360 on it and realizing that uh, coaching is probably 90% about people and 10% about content. And... Myself and Mick have become good friends in the last couple of years and I'd be friendly with Tony Buckley and a few lads like that that I'd pick their brains and I'd say they hate to see my name coming up on their phone because I'm always trying to extract information and knowledge from them. But I think the one thing I've learned a lot from Mick for is that you probably have to walk the walk and go through the hardships and get the learnings and understandings. You can't skip levels or you can't buy experience and that for me, I think, is probably in the last year or two is the biggest learning. And look, you can have, well, as you said, I like dealing with the technology and the analysis and all that kind of stuff that looks cool. But at the end of the day, that doesn't get your results on the pitch. Um, it can help with sharing some ideas and information in the modern way of things and how we do it. Um, and maybe for the modern players, it's easy for them to understand because they're more Savvy online and all that, but I still think it goes back um, to the basics of the game, the skills and who the people really are and where they're coming from and understanding the players as people first. Um something that I know from talking to a lot of lads that went through Cullum um was a huge thing. So I think while while things move on, some things never change. And um there's there's a reason why the two lads there in particular I know are very successful at what they do. And in my coach education, um, which is only beginning, I suppose, um, it's just trying to extract bits of things from all the people that have gone before them and maybe use some of them that um that can suit my own, I suppose, philosophies as well.
0: Very good, Evan. And Evan talked to our column about building relationships, supporting part of coaching. Um, you know, I remember actually John uh, getting a book from John at the time, my wife stopped an arm out of collecting off him and a little snippet on the inside. Uh, very very early in my coaching journey, and I remember the words, you know, players won't won't care what you what you know until they know that you care, you know. And I suppose that that part of coaching column, you, you know, you don't get any sort of experience in books or websites. It's about being in the trenches where you build that that experience. Is would would it be right to call?
2: Oh yeah, I think that that uh, yeah, that penny has dropped everywhere now. That um, you know, players players are people first, and. Uh, and they, they're you know if if they feel this, they're you're they're just pawns and you're just using them to further your own um ends. Uh, that that won't work. Um, you know they 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 they'll they'll spot that a mile off, and uh, you you have to really give it you know give a damn about players and uh, be a lot more concerned. But yeah, that's but the other thing is that if you don't get to know players, uh you won't know what's going on in their lives, and if you don't know and know what's going on in their lives, you won't know why there's are sulking. Of, or their 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 you know their demeanour or training is wrong, or things aren't going well for them, or a normally confident player doesn't have confidence anymore. Um, there's a whole lot of things involved there, but uh, I think I think in general you know coaching has come on a lot, and uh, I think all those things are are very much part of the, the new
0: genre of of coaching. Yeah, and and Mick yourself, obviously, you know we we talk about relationships and that you've worked with with Dublin ladies, um, you know over the last uh, I think six or seven years, and you've obviously seen changes. You know, I know we talk about. The modern player, as such, but I think it's a generational thing too. I think that we, I see it in school all the time about how young people are evolving and what's going on in their lives and social media, and it's a, it's a big craze now. Like, how have you seen that, Megan? How have you adapted
3: as a coach, you know, to, to cope with those changes? I was talking to a builder the other day, who told me that he has two guys on his site at the moment, who, when he employed them, told him. That there was three things they wouldn't do on a building site and he shook his head and he thought of the day when he was telling kids the things that they were going to do regardless of the conditions <laughs> and that has shown us how things have changed and um column uh, like I I would have said this to a lot of people when I left when I I spent a year with Claire with, Col- with column and there was no doubt about it that he he did something that i probably hadn't seen as much of in the city obviously with bigger numbers and all that kind of stuff um and i obviously you'd get to know people but you wouldn't get to know them i we i wouldn't have known players the way he knew players um from the point of view of their families and what went before and that is part of that was um the way his makeup but also part of the country element that was to it you know what i mean like where the tendency is a lot of people know a lot more, more about your family in the country than they do in the city. Um, but therefore you have to work on that. And it definitely has changed. Um, and it's incredible even the way uh, I, I, I met a guy, a past pupil today, and he was t- he'd taken over the local club. They're struggling a bit. And he was saying to me, he couldn't get over how lads would actually answer coaches back like on the sideline, well, he would have never considered it as, as a, a young fella. Now, this this fella is a really nice guy, so he's not the type of guy that would be pushing people's buttons while I might be in the other category. Um, but, the, but the bottom line in it is that uh, th- there is a change in it. And I would say this to people now. There are skill sets I don't have, and I, I, it's, it's difficult. Some things are difficult to change. But certainly in management, one of the things that you can do is you can get people who are good at those particular things and get them in. And I think that's a really important factor of good management is that you actually get people in to do the things you're not good at do.
0: And and do you think, Philip, do you think that, that performance coaches, for example, you know, there's a lot of talk about the likes of Caroline Curran, for example, her influence in Limerick, uh, Philip, uh, and not necessarily actually coaching the players, but that performance coaching, life coaching, do you think, Philip, that there is a a real avenue for that within the high-performance environment? Oh,
4: huge, huge. I mean, anything you get now on podcasts will always be sports psychology-related. I listen a lot to Dan Abrams there, um, Stuart Armstrong, any of those. And most topics are really about, not so much about technicalities or um, anything tactical or team play or whatever. It's about player welfare, how, you play, how to get the best out of players, how to know players, etc. Um, I'd have to say straight away, it's not a forte of mine. Um, I like listening to it. I'm not directly related to playing at the minute. Um, when I left school um, and retired, I moved away from coaching actual players more often than not. I was working with coaches, so the focus for me is more about um, how we can develop coaches. Um, and I don't have the same knowledge of, and the same experience of these three guys who are working directly with players. So it's probably not a question for me, other than
0: the fact that I can see the shift, you know what I mean? So that's really. Yeah. 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 And, and column during your time with, with Claire, uh, would you have had a performance coach or would you have did, you know, the psychology element yourself, We've had numerous, yeah, we've had numerous ones, yeah. Uh some 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 better
2: than the others, but uh we've had numerous ones. Um they've I suppose they've all brought something to the party and um uh, I'd like to think I've learned a bit from, from all of them. Um but uh it's very much part and parcel of the of the game now. And uh, yeah. I suppose, you know, if um if you um if you take the game of golf and which you play uh the importance of the the six inches is uh, is never more apparent as in a game like golf, and uh, it's just one of those little mad little extra gains that you can get if you can keep people, if you can keep people's heads in the right place, that you can achieve a lot more.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, man, I'm not going to keep it too much longer. Just a couple of questions just before we go, Evan. Just for the coaches that are that are coming on the day, we have huge we numbers coming on on the eighteenth. Like what? What can coaches expect from, from, from your session?
1: Um so my session will be very much around just games-based stuff. Um kind of connecting up the games-based approach um into the session um and just playing a couple of small-sided games. We'll we'll do a bit on attack, defending, um, pressing just a few games, but really kind of um trying to really harp on about the games-based approach which isn't just about the game; it's about the question and like the player, the understanding of it, and how we can evoke the, their thought process by kind of probing with the right questions and maybe getting the players involved in it themselves um, in the organisation of it, which should up their communication skills. So, just trying to get across to the coaches on the day that I think a games-based approach is kind of a buzzword at the moment, but trying to actually understand the four facets of it and um, see it in action and just kind of identify the, the four parts as we go along. Brilliant. And
0: Mick, um, your own session, um, the introducing the concept of complex skills, uh, just actually having a, a, a chat with Marty Clark this morning and Marty was saying he's been doing a bit of of chatting to AFL coaches in the off-season um, and obviously professional sport. We can, we can learn from all sports, but they were talking about the impact of of a sort of a drills-based approach in the lead in the lead up to games. So, you know, start maybe unopposed, drills-based work, and then building layers to that to, to the games that 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 obviously the likes of Evans talking about there. what what will coaches sort of expect from from your, your session on the day?
3: So I, I probably we just have a little bit of a twinned approach in that. Uh, so before we go out and do the complex skills or introduce the concept to them, um I just wanted to do a short presentation. Uh, as part of it, introducing it, but also the cultural approach to the team. Because I think it would be remit of us, and I know Colin will definitely address that in, in the way he talks, because if you don't set your stall out at that end, everything else will fall. It doesn't make a difference what else do you introduce, whether it's good game plans or tactically good, or they become a highly skilled team. Like ultimately the culture of the group is extremely important. So and that will tie into it, but um, as a, as opposed to them skills themselves, I'd like to leave that for them for the day. Um, it's a little bit different, and uh, the whole introduction is is uh, worthwhile for people to experience.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And Philip, you you've chatted to me before about even about the different coaches coming away with ideas for for games, and and it was fantastic. but. You're also looking at, at the different types of coaching styles that, that all the coaches will bring on the day. We'll be correct in saying that.
4: So we're going to look at uh, a number of games, but we're going to use the game simply as, I suppose you call them vehicles, as in doesn't matter what the game is, it's what what can you see in the game? What can you spot about player habits? What are the good habits that this game allows you to see? What are the poor habits? Um, how might you go about having an influence on in changing those or getting a player to change them. So we're really not focusing as much on people taking away, here's a new game, here's a new game, here's another game, et cetera. We're looking at whenever the game is on, what are you looking for? And that's what I'd hope to push at uh, coaches on
0: the day. Brilliant. And Colm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get plenty of of anecdotes from yourself and plenty of stories and experience from your, your time at Clare. Are you missing the the stuff?
2: Um, not not at the moment, but um, we've had a great run with the club, so uh, We're we we're, we're, we're still training. My delay, my delay in coming back to you last night was that I I wasn't sure what time we were training at, but uh, uh, so that's it. Uh, yeah, what I'd like to do is just share um our experience over over the ten years, and if if any of the coaches have anything that they want, uh, any questions or anything like that, just uh, let them dictate what what goes on and uh. I said I'll I'll stick to my my remit from the start, but uh, anything that the, that needs needs to be asked about our experience over ten years with the county team, I'd be glad to answer.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. I've just one more question, man, before we we close. Um, you know, Philip, you you've been sitting on a panel, obviously, you know that that's been looking at the at the possible rule changes around our game and and how the game is is evolving naturally. You know. The game obviously has a perception of being over, overly defensive and a lot of teams you know are playing a counter and style of football and, and are mirror imaging each other. Do you see any ways Philip and how the game can change and evolve in, in the next in the next few years or, or or what what is the next?
4: It's a very pointed question, it isn't it, it eh? Yeah um, <laughs> Well, actually I mean to put the record straight, we we were there as a group just on on the night. We had, we had one night, we may, we may be down again, but we had one night just looking at the facts and figures that have come out that everybody got within a few days of that. I mean, the, all the work that was done there by John Tobin and um, Jack Cooney and Shane Flanagan and lots of others in Croke Park, we didn't see that until that actual night. But the push more than anything else would be, look, does anything need to change at all? Is it cyclical? Could it just come around? And and in a few years, we're not talking about this at all. And the other thing is, if we do think of any changes, then would it be more about reward rather than restriction? So they definitely want to get away from restricting players or restricting coaches and go for extra rewards. But now, that could all fall apart. And we're in the early stages of this. The other one that they're trying, obviously, with the kickouts over the 45 and all things between, all static balls between the uh, 220s going forward. And it'll take a while for coaches to try and work out how to counter those.
0: Yeah. And Evan, in the game, Evan, you know, obviously a lot of teams are dropping men back behind the ball. You know, is is there, what's your thoughts? Like, do, do our defenders, do coaches, are coaches giving defenders a direct instruction of, roles responsibilities where to be or is it just presuming like when we lose the ball scramble hard get back behind the ball You know, is it is it at that level now where there's just super organization and players are actually you know nearly marking only as such like how do you see the game being played currently
1: like uh, I, I actually I was at um a couple of the Kerry games over the weekend and it's it's in even East Kerry who with David Clifford and potting them and it's like there's two facets that I think and like it's really interesting that if if you you obviously are going to tell all your players that you want them to work hard, and when you like everyone goes to back to the Barcelona away when you lose the the ball, you're reacting for that seven seconds, try and win it back, and like if your players if your forwards stand and don't work back to field, I think it's it's a dual effect. Is it's there's one part of it that it can be seen as being very defensive, but the other part of it is now. Your cornerbacks and wingbacks are attackers. So back in the day, I suppose you'd never see a cornerback taking off up the field off a turnover and getting, you know, the likes of Tom Sullivan and and the boys from Derry. So like if they go, which they're all going now, people have to go with them and you have to track your runners. So like there's there's the I think back in the day when Donegal came and their automatic was to turn their back on the ball and get back inside their forty five. I think it has evolved now to a counter-attacking game whereby when there's a turnover, everybody is going forward as the wave. And in in return, no one wants to be seen to not be working hard and they're automatically going back to field. So, like for me, my own philosophy on the game where I'd love to see the game going and me and Mick would have spoke about this. He, I've seen Dublin implemented it over the last year or two is that instead of everyone dropping out beyond the 45 and setting lines and getting very structured, can we not try and do what the Liverpools and the Man City's do and just counter press and go high and attack the ball high up the field? It, it I've seen it work and it looks really good, but at the same time, um you do that in the men's game, I think, and they're able to kick it it's it's horses for courses. If you can kick the ball sixty yards and beat it, you're in trouble. So I think there's a hybrid model that I suppose I definitely think could work in, in, in modern game like football, but I what killed me, I suppose anyone that's seen the game at the weekend was like you have Dingle, who if you look at Dingle the last night the last night, they probably kicked the ball more than they hand passed the ball throughout the course of the game, and they were often having i counted them not alone double kick passes they were having triple and quadruple kick passes to get the ball up the field, which is unheard of in the modern game. But then they get it so far and they just take a mark. And like they purposely, you have some unbelievable heaps of guineas in there and they're a goal threat. And Dingle have only, I think, one goal in the Kerry Championship the whole year because they're practising to take marks. So I think the advanced mark is a pity to mine. Um, But to answer your question, yes, I'm not too sure everyone is overly defensive. I think a lot of teams now, particularly in Division 1, their defenders are so good going forward. You see Christy McCabe and these lads, wonderful forward line. You have to track them, which ends up just being like basketball. Yeah,
0: and Colm, you you're obviously very fortunate of some brilliant forwards. You know during your time with with, with Clare, uh, none more so than, than than David Tuberty, obviously who, who was a phenomenal scoring threat. what's the Dublin final at the weekend, Colm, and I thought that that Kilmacud, you know they were they were very defensive when they lost the ball, but. They had that stardust. Are we at a stage also as well when we're being realistic? If you just don't have those scoring forwards, obviously that's the big difference at the, at the top level. Would, would you agree, Col?
2: Well, the most important thing if you, if you get a team is to play to the strengths or play to the players you've got. It's all very well to be talking about different things, but if you don't have the players to implement the game you want to play, You've got to play to your own strengths, and um, that's it. I mean, you know, people people who love the game and study the game will will uh, no matter what changes come in the rules, they'll they'll get around those and they'll make it work to suit the players they've got. But there's no point in talking if you don't have decent scoring forwards, like. But I I think there are there are a lot of good scoring forwards around. I think there's um they're not scarce and and probably they could be used a lot more. I I would agree with Evan. I that, that offensive mark just drives me mad. It's just a a retrograde step in my book. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. No. Oh, what's your views on it, Mick? So coming back to the start with Philip, I, I would say, uh, the biggest onus of responsibility is on the coach. The coach decides the way the team plays. And uh, some coaches step in and they tell the team how they're going to play. Other coaches come in and they ask the team how they're going to play and then they contribute. Um, but I, I I, wouldn't agree. Uh, I, I think the game has gone backwards. Um, I, I think Philip's point is very interesting. It should be based on reward, not punishment. And... Um, like rugby flipped its wings by introducing the change in the, in the point scoring system. And yet, if you look at the weekend, the game between England and South Africa was back to the game that nobody wants to see. It was all played in the pack. It's, yeah. there's no enjoyment, no entertainment. I happened to be at the game and I walked out of the stadium saying, if that's how rugby was to be played, I would not attend the game. And I'd have the same opinion of Gaelic games. And, uh, We had this discussion ourselves as a team and I I take columns' point on board here. If you don't have the forwards, but then the onus flips back again to say, okay, well, if you don't have the forwards, does that not come down to more hard work? Does it not come down to more coaching? Does it not come down to better uh, adaptation of the skills to try and so it, it's, a, it's a thin line. I understand what, exactly what Colum's saying because you have, a, you have a short time scale. Now, in his time scale, it ended up in a long time scale. But anyway, the bottom line is this. You do have to go after the skill set to try and make them better because nobody... Like, forwards aren't born in Dublin and Kerry or wh- whoever the All-Ireland champions at that particular time are. That's not the way it happens, right? So you have to develop them. And realistically... The big thing in coaching for me is to try s- stay true to your principles. I would say to you over the course of time, much more people have swung back towards a defensive approach than o- an offensive approach. And why? Well, I can tell you why. And we all know the answer to this. It is definitely easier to, inf- to implement a good defensive system than a really, really good offensive system. And I don't care what anybody says, turning your back on the ball and retreating is not the same level of work as playing a high press up the field uh, where it's a, it's a much higher risk game. But like if you, if you come down to what the sport is all about, enjoyment and entertainment, well then what way should it be played? Like we don't play a game for money. There's no finance in this. We're not getting any major rewards out of it. So Look, there, there lies the tier. That's why we go at the game differently, but um, I'd probably be a little bit of a purist like that.
0: Yeah, no, well, listen, I think it's nice to finish that because certainly hopefully on the day, uh, the coaches that are in attendance on the day in St. Joseph's on uh, Saturday 18th of November will have a, a world of ideas to take home and, and food for thought there as well from, from the four of you. Lads, listen, thanks very much for your time. Um, Colin, congratulations on a, on a success for your club there recently. Um thanks, Mick, thanks Many congratulations to yourself, Mick, as well uh, on, on another All-Ireland title. And I know, Philip, you'll be watching the Derry final very closely as a felt man this weekend
4: absolutely yeah
0: can you can, can you topple the mighty the mighty watties uh, but uh, I'll, I'll not ask you that our by the way just, just <laughs> the emotion, motivation there but listen Evan thanks again and lads thanks yeah. a million and I'm looking forward to seeing you all on the uh, Saturday the 18th of November I know the coaches will be as well so thanks again guys really appreciate your time thanks a million thank you thanks sure. Sure. Nice you. Man.
3: take care thanks, Bye. Man.